Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey everyone, welcome to a new episode of Locked On Clippers. I'm your host, Lucas Tan. Today is Friday, January 27th. Today is our last episode of the week. We're here Mondays through Fridays, um, so we'll be back again on Monday with our next episode. Finally, Clippers have a game tomorrow. After three days off, tomorrow they're going to be facing off in a big matchup against the Golden State Warriors that would be big, but actually isn't so big because it feels like the Clippers struggle to even be competitive against the Warriors in recent years. Um, but there's a few other news things to get into before we talk about that Clippers-Warriors game, which is funny because kind of felt like all week you're just waiting to get to this game, and now all of a sudden, right before, there, some stuff got dropped on our heads. So, first of all, we'll start with the easy but good news. The NBA All-Star Reserves came out today, and DeAndre Jordan was named to the All-Star Reserve team. It's his first career All-Star appearance, which is excellent. He is well-deserving. You know, he's been, for all his, you know, I know that he's had some shortcomings this year, but he's played in every Clippers game, and he's come through in a huge way as the lineup has changed so much around him due to injuries. And that's kind of been the case for the last, like seven years for DeAndre because it feels like the Clippers are always having different injuries, new coaches, a new owner, different people in the front office, different people at all the positions around him, and he's been just good. Um, he's leading the NBA in rebounds. He's averaging 14 a game. If that holds, it'll be his third year in, um, in the last four leading the NBA in rebounds. He's on pace to lead the NBA in field goal percentage for the fifth straight year. He's averaging 12.5 points a game, which is right near his career high. And I think most importantly, honestly, is that the Blake and Chris aren't really strong all-star contenders this year. Um, I thought Chris Paul would actually be selected for the team and then replaced because of his injury, but I guess because of his injury, he was overlooked. And Blake Griffin, obviously missing a huge chunk of December and January, was overlooked by the coaches as well. But you look at the Clippers and you look at the other guys that you would have put in DeAndre's spot. Are you going to give Utah a second All-Star before you give the Clippers one? Are you going to give Memphis a second All-Star before you give the Clippers one? And I'm not saying that's the best way to look at it because team success isn't the only thing that determines if a player is All-Star caliber. But there are some play, there are some coaches, some voters 
who think of it that way or at least take that into account. And I would imagine that was a part of it for a lot of people that put DJ on the ballot is that you feel like you have to have a clipper because they've been good this year and he's the best clipper, the best he has the best resume over the last 47 games of any clipper. Like I said, I still thought Chris Paul would make the team, but it's obviously a great great honor for DeAndre Jordan. It's great for him to be recognized to that extent. Um, now, the other news is it seems like there were some developments on the Carmelo Anthony front today. With Obviously, there was news earlier in the week that the Knicks had offered Melo to the Cavaliers for Kevin Love, and the Cavs had been pretty cool to that, which makes sense because Love's having a great year. But today, they reportedly made calls to the Clippers and to the Boston Celtics. Now, it's not clear if Melo would waive his no-trade clause to go to Boston, and it's not clear if Boston wants Melo. Um, you know, Carmelo is a good player, but I don't know if he's like a grade one superstar anymore. And if the Celtics are going to be cashing in all of their draft assets, they want to land someone who they think is really like an A-lister. And Melo, at this point in his career, at his age, is he the guy who's going to carry you you know, like a seven-year contender period. Because that's what they're looking for. They're really looking for like a generational franchise guy. They want someone who's going to come in and for five to seven years be an all-NBA first-team player. And it's not easy to get those guys, but that's what they're looking for. Um, and you can at least respect that they're trying to build in that way, even if it's not maybe the, the smartest or easiest path. Um, but now, uh, the, the, it seems to me like the only reasonable destination for Carmelo is the Clippers. And according to reports, neither side is under the impression that the Clippers' big three is on the table. That's Chris Paul, Blake Griffin, and DeAndre Jordan aren't on the table. The Knicks aren't expecting them. The Clippers aren't giving them up. So we're talking basically about shooting guards when we talk about this trade. Because the Clippers notable salary pieces that they can send out in a trade are Jamal Crawford, Austin Rivers, and J.J. Redick. Those are the noteworthy pieces. Now, Jamal Crawford makes about $14 million. Austin Rivers makes about eleven. J.J. Redick makes about seven. J.J. Redick is on expiring contract. Austin Rivers has one more year and then a player option for year three. Jamal Crawford has one more year and then most of his salary isn't guaranteed for year three. So it's kind of a team option. You can set the trade up like this. This is how, how I would set the trade up. Jamal Crawford, Wesley Johnson, and Alan Anderson is enough salary to get you Carmelo Anthony back. And Carmelo, okay, here's the thing with Carmelo Anthony. He makes $24.5 million, but he has a trade kicker that bumps his salary up to $29.5 million if you trade for him. Now, he can waive that trade kicker, but only if he has to for salary matching purposes to make the trade legal. He can't trade it. He can't waive that trade kicker voluntarily. So in order for him to waive it, you have to force him to waive it, if that makes sense. Now, here's the Clippers' problem. They can send out $19.5 million and take back Melo's $24.5 million and force him to waive most of his trade kicker. 
but the Clippers only have two and a half million of wiggle room underneath the hard cap. So if they send out 19.5 and force him to waive his trade kicker and you're only bringing in 24.5, you're going over the hard cap. So this is where it gets a little tricky. You do what's called a simultaneous trade, which is where you do two trades to the same team. Um, from the Clippers' perspective, it would be two trades. From the Knicks' perspective, it would be one trade. And when these teams submit their trades to the league, that you are allowed to write it in this way where the Knicks would say, we're sending out Carmelo Anthony and bringing in Austin Rivers, Jamal Crawford, Wesley Johnson, and Allen Anderson. From the Clippers' perspective, you say, we're sending out Jamal Crawford, Wesley Johnson, and Allen Anderson for Carmelo Anthony and sending out Austin Rivers for nothing, creating an $11 million traded player exception. That would be the best way forward, I think, because that obviously trading out that Austin Rivers gap gives you more than enough room under the hard cap to bring in Carmelo Anthony's extra salary. And it actually takes the Clippers under the luxury tax line to avoid the repeater tax. And then next summer and into next season as you approach the trade deadline, when um, when the Clippers hopefully won't be hard capped anymore, you can use that $11 million trade exception to bring in a player, like we've seen the Cavaliers do to bring in guys like Channing Frye, Kyle Korver, using trade exceptions. So that's the, where the value would be from that. Now, that Jamal Crawford, Wesley Johnson, Allen Anderson, that package, those three, works almost perfectly for Carmelo. If you wanted to switch any of those three players out, you'd have to do some significant wiggling. But you can switch that Austin Rivers piece out for the trade exception. You could switch that out for J.J. Redick, and you wouldn't lose... You know, instead of having an $11 million trade exception, you have like a $7.7 million trade exception. You could even put Paul Pierce in there and have a $3.5 million trade exception, and you'd be about $600,000 under the hard cap. So it would be legal. But then you get into the issue of the Knicks actually being willing to take Jamal Crawford, Wesley Johnson, Paul Pierce, and Allen Anderson as a return in a Carmelo Anthony trade, which um, doesn't seem doesn't seem likely. I think the most likely trade would be Jamal Crawford, Austin Rivers, Wesley Johnson, Allen Anderson, and a first-round pick. And then the Clippers would get Carmelo, maybe Justin Holiday from the Knicks, who the Knicks wouldn't really have use for since they're going to have Courtney Lee and Austin Rivers. Justin Holiday would become a third-string shooting guard. And he's expiring and he's 27 and they have Ron Baker on the bench developing who they like and the Clippers could really use Justin Holiday because they're not going to have a backup shooting guard after this deal since basically right now they have three shooting guards and they'd, they'd be trading two of them but that's a that's a deal I, I think is most likely and then they'd probably hunt for a third team to involve Jamal to send Jamal Crawford to so he doesn't actually end up being a Nick maybe Sacramento, maybe Orlando, teams that are kind of looking for perimeter scoring help. Um, Orlando's kind of a garbage fire right now with their roster. Um, and Sacramento, with Rudy Gay out, could use a secondary perimeter scorer to help DeMarcus Cousins. Even if Jamal isn't who he once was, he can still get shots. He creates offense. Um, we've talked about that a lot you know, with, with Chris Paul out and with Blake Griffin out. 
who creates offense, not makes shots at a good percentage, but actually when you watch the game, who is the guy making a drive, making a, making a good pass for someone else to get an open shot, creating a shot for themselves. And Jamal Crawford, for all his faults, does that at, if not, not with efficiency, but with great volume, which is still a notable skill. So that's what the deal looks like for Carmelo Anthony. Um, it seems as though all parties are interested. The Clippers want to add Carmelo, and they don't want to give up a member of the big three, but it doesn't seem like they'd have to. The only one that the only part of that that hurts is really Austin Rivers, um, and it does hurt because Austin has been tremendous. And I'm not gonna lie, I have a little bit of a sentimental attachment to Austin, watching him develop. I I just enjoy watching him play. Um, and I felt this way since the Clippers added him, even when, before we like you know knew he was good, if you will. I just liked watching him play. I like his his game. Um, you know, I don't. He's a little whiny sometimes, which is unbecoming. But as far as actual on the court stuff, he drives to the rim. He plays pesky defense. He's an enjoyable player to watch. He's he's an enjoyable player to root for. Um, but in my mind, it's not a debate when you have a chance to get a guy like Carmelo Anthony. Carmelo Anthony is a needle mover. He moves your needle. Um, you know, you talk about like where where you are in terms of the league, who you can beat and who you can't beat. I don't know that Carmelo Anthony puts you over the top against the Warriors. I don't think anyone is saying that. But Carmelo Anthony makes a difference if you're trying to beat the Warriors. He helps you. Even though he doesn't do a lot defensively, he helps you win basketball games with his scoring ability. He can take over. You know, we talk about Jamal. Like, Well, Jamal can take over any fourth quarter and give you 20 points in the fourth. Melo does that more and better than Jamal does. And Melo rebounds better and passes better and is all around better. Um, and that's like so drastically underselling what he does as a much better Jamal. But that's one of the big things that he brings you is when Kevin Durant is going to get you know, if he's gonna, if Kevin Durant, and Steph Curry, and Klay Thompson are gonna hit five threes in a row, and there's nothing you can do about it, and they're shooting from 35 feet, and they're just going supernova, Carmelo Anthony gives you the type of offense that you can go supernova back. Because I've said, you know, the Warriors a lot of times will be down, like nine or 12 points or whatever, with four or five minutes left, and then they'll go on like a 22 to three run. And I don't know what you can do defensively to make that 22 be not 22. But it's a matter of, can you make that 3 be like 15? Instead of a 22 to 3 run, can you make it a 22 to 15 run? Can you do your best on defense and scramble and try to make them work, but they're insanely hot and there's not a lot you can do? That's what you're doing on defense. But can you come back on offense and take advantage of that small lineup? And hopefully the clip the Clippers can, um, with the size that they have with Blake and DJ playing against, you know, Kevin Durant and Draymond Green. You'd hope that, you know, I don't think anyone should be able to stop DeAndre's rim dives, and Draymond might be able to hold his own against Blake in the post, but Durant certainly shouldn't be able to. And then, while Iggy is a great defender, Carmelo Anthony is a great offensive player. That's a type of matchup that. 
you know, that, that you see in these big playoff series. You see premier defenders versus superstar offensive players. That's what happens when you get that Iggy Mello matchup. And if Mello's hot, he's going to be able to score in that matchup just like if KD's hot, he's going to be able to score against a guy like Luke. So I think you I think you know it it looks like everyone is open to this trade. Carmelo would come to LA, I think. It's been widely reported in yesterday's news that Phil Jackson called the Clippers, the Knicks actually reached out. And I can't think of a reason why the Clippers wouldn't do it. The only thing that comes to mind is that they're worried about guard depth with Chris Paul out. Because right now the Clippers have four guards. Normally they have five. Right now they have four. And you'd be trading two of them. So they need to sign someone almost immediately to be a backup. You know, someone would have to come in off the street and be the third guard, which isn't easy. And I get that. But it's worth it for Melo. And I think the Clippers need help at guard. I think they should be signing a guard anyway. So I guess it doesn't bug me that much that they'd have to sign a backup point guard if they traded for Melo, because I think they need a backup point, a new backup point guard anyway. Um, but, you know, those are my thoughts on, on that. I think it's a deal that you have to make if it's on the table. Um, so now I want to get into tomorrow's Warriors game. Um, I don't want to get too much into the nitty-gritty stuff. Um, but I have some, just some, like, some talking points, some things to watch for. So, one thing to watch for is how Doc Rivers manages his lineup. Um, I presume the Clippers will go with the same starting group as, as the Philadelphia game. Rivers, Reddick, Mbamute, Griffin, Jordan. Which is fine. Um, obviously, Rivers doesn't give you everything you'd like at the point guard position, but you're going to be playing Rivers some and Felton some anyway, so, you know, whatever. But how much does he stagger? When you're down to nine men, he's forced to kind of play someone with the second unit, but the Clippers kind of need, of those four, Rivers, Reddick, Griffin, Jordan. The, I feel like the Clippers need two of those four on the floor all the time. Um, and it can't be JJ and DJ. So they basically need Blake or Austin on the floor at all times with one of those other guys because you need to be able to put up points to play. Even if you play great defense, the Warriors are going to be able to score. You have to be able to put up points against the Warriors. So watching the lineups is one thing that's going to be fascinating. Um, and another thing that I think we should really look for, which is something that I've been looking at with, against the Warriors last season too, is how much does Luke Mbamute help? Because we all know the justification for playing Luke Mbamute at small forward, and I agree with it, and I'm an Mbamute supporter. He plays great defense against the other team's best player, and he's acceptable on offense, and it's worth it because of how great his defense is. Here's the problem. If you play against, for example, last year's Oklahoma City team, and you put Luke on KD, he's not going to shut down KD. No one shuts down KD. But he might be able to freeze him out through stretches of the game or hold him to 
a bad game by KD's standards, and that's big. This year against the Warriors, or really last year against the Warriors team too, whoever you put Luke on, let's say you put Luke on KD this year. Okay, KD goes and stands in the corner and lets Steph, Clay, Iggy, and Draymond play four on four. And you can't guard them four on four. That's the thing. You know, the the Thunder last year, you'd say, yeah, take KD out of the game. Let's play four on four. We'd love to defend these guys four on four with KD out of the game. We'd love to neutralize him. Against the Spurs, we'd love to neutralize Kawhi Leonard and play four on four against the other guys. Against the Warriors, you're still screwed. So he actually, it's almost like they negate him because it doesn't matter that you have one stopper against the Warriors because of the style of basketball that they play and how they can really pour in the points from all over the floor. Um, so that's something that, I, that I've pondered is if the Clippers meet the Warriors in the playoffs, will Luke even help in that big starting role? Maybe, you know, you can use him at, in a precise role off the bench in certain situations especially against certain lineups when the Warriors have their bench out there and then they're more based around, like, it's just Clay and KD playing with the, with the bench. And, yeah, Iggy and Livingston are out there too, but it's not Steph and Draymond. And so maybe then you play Luke against, when KD's playing his second-minute units, you play Luke there and you let, you know, if you then if you can try to freeze out or nullify KD as much as possible, you're really hurting that unit's offense as opposed to with the starters where they still can go to Steph and Clay and Draymond. Maybe. Um, but I question how useful he'd be as a starter against the Warriors, which I think against and you know pretty much every other team in the league, he helps in a huge way. But that worries me against the Warriors. That's something to watch for. Another thing to watch for is the Blake Griffin-Draymond Green matchup because I still think Blake is a better player than Draymond. But there's no doubt, and I especially because Draymond, I think, has more room to pass because of the team that he plays on. I think Blake is a better passer because Blake doesn't play on the team with the best facing in the history of basketball. Um, but can Blake actually outplay Draymond in the head-to-head? Because it feels like Draymond always gets the better of Blake when they go up against each other. And I think it might largely even be mental for Blake against the Warriors and Draymond at this point. But... If you look just up and down the roster, Austin isn't going to outplay Steph. JJ isn't going to outplay Clay. Luke isn't going to outplay KD. DeAndre will outplay Saza, but DeAndre's not going to score a bunch of points and get a bunch of assists, you know. So, where do you have a hope? On the bench and with Blake at power forward. You need Blake to win that matchup to make up for the fact that you're losing at point guard, shooting guard, and small forward. You need Blake to win that matchup. If he loses that matchup, you're relying on what? DJ outscoring Zaza like 14 to 5. And you're then, you know, your bench is supposed to make up the other 60 points that you're giving up to their starting lineup when Steph scores 25 and Austin scores 14 and Clay scores 20 and JJ scores 16 and KD scores 32 and Luke scores 6. If Blake can't outplay Draymond, you're leaving a lot to the bench. If he can, that's how you start to make that ground back up. Um, 
yeah, I think I think those are. I mean, that's just a few things to watch for. Obviously, um, it's going to be an, an interesting game on a lot of levels. Um, hopefully, having Doc Rivers back helps the Clippers because it certainly seems like there was, you know, in in his ejections this year, I've noticed it seems like it seems like there's a little bit of a power vacuum. Um, like Mike Woodson is technically the coach when when Doc is not there, but feels like a lot of guys are coaching. You know, Chris has been up off the bench in his suit coaching, not like cheering players on, but when, when Doc was ejected against Houston, Chris was actively standing next to Mike Woodson coaching. Um, in Philadelphia, Blake was very involved in the timeouts, kind of taking over. Um, and that's not always a good thing. You don't want players taking it upon themselves to coach the team. Um, I think it's good to have you know, Doc Rivers has a lot of gravity, and the players have a lot of respect for him. And you take him out, and there's a vacuum. So I think it's good to have him back in the locker room. And hopefully that'll leave them a little more grounded than they were in Tuesday's game against Philadelphia. Um, as always, you can hit me up on Twitter, at LucasJHan. You can email me, lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. If you're a fan of the podcast and you own a business, you should consider sponsoring us. Our rates are very reasonable, and studies show that podcast listeners like to support companies that advertise on their favorite podcasts. So again, if you own a business, if you're a fan of the podcast, if you're trying to reach our audience, which is mostly men aged 18 to 44, hit me up. Twitter, Lucas J. Han, email lhan.clipsnation at gmail.com. Check out our, Warri- our Clippers Warriors game preview coverage at Clips Nation. We've got Aditya doing a chat with a Warriors writer about this game. We're going to have our normal game preview. And we're going to be following the Carmelo Anthony situation as well as that develops because it looks like things are really heating up on that. Carmelo Anthony Los Angeles front but for now for now this is all this is the end of our episode and it's the end of our week we'll be back on Monday with a brand new episode five new episodes next week of Locked on Clippers this is Lucas Hans signing off